Amen. Turn your Bibles to uh, to Luke chapter 5 tonight, if you will. We'll start there, and uh, I want to share something with you that uh, uh, is of utmost importance. It was of great importance in Jesus' earthly ministry, and it's still of great importance today. Luke chapter 5 tells us the story of uh, Jesus healing a man that was uh, uh, what the Bible identifies as full of leprosy. Jesus uh, puts his hand out and reaches and touches the man and uh, uh, commands him to be healed, and he was. He was cleansed. Jesus then told him to go uh, show himself to the priests and fulfill the law of Moses and the instructions that were given through Moses about what to do when a leper is cleansed. Now, I want to start reading in verse 15, Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, speaking of Jesus, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him by him of their infirmities. Let me read that again. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. In other words, Jesus' fame is increasing. People are hearing more and more stories and reports about the miracles and the healing works that Jesus is doing. And notice what the reaction was. The reaction is very simply, as the fame spread abroad of him, great multitudes, and I don't know how many people that are, but that it would be, but it sure sounds like a lot. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. It's interesting that it didn't say that they came to be healed. It says they came to hear and to be healed. Now, why would the Holy Ghost, and I, and I think it's particularly interesting that, uh, that Luke is a physician, he's a medical doctor, and he's the one that the Holy Ghost uses to give this account, and he gives us specific information. Now, Luke is used to treating people. He's used to, to operating according to whatever medical um, remedies and, and treatments and so forth were available in his day. And I'm sure they've had some measure of success. He's experienced some measure of success prior to the time where he found, uh, heard about Paul and, and got saved through his ministry and became part of his traveling company. But the thing that I want to get across to you is the Holy Ghost specifically mentions through Luke, a physician, about the, the, uh, the source of healing or the source of results, healing results that occurred in the crowds in Jesus' day. So much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. Notice how the Holy Ghost says that, to hear and to be healed by them, by him of their infirmities. Now look with me over to chapter 6. Chapter 6 says, beginning in verse 17, after Jesus chooses his disciples, chooses the twelve, it says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of the disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him. And to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed. Most people think that the only way you can deal with the devil is to cast him out. But the Bible says that the people that were uh, delivered from evil spirits. Were delivered by the same healing power that healed sickness and disease. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue. This is the the, um, Greek word dunamis. It's the word translated power throughout the rest of the New Testament. For there went out power out of him and healed them all now again the holy ghost is drawing attention to hear and be healed hear and be healed the results jesus got not were not just because he was the son of god and he went around doing healing miracles but it indicates that the the hearing on the part of the people had something to do with the works that were that were achieved or the results that were achieved hear and be healed hear and be healed a lot of people want to be healed they don't want to hear now, I want you to turn back with me to, uh, to Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 5. 
And I want you to see another example. We know of this one, but I want to put it in this context. The woman with the issue of blood. Notice what it says about her. Beginning in verse 25, there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and spent all of her living and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard. Notice that word. When she had heard of Jesus. Now the multitudes in Luke chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6 came to hear and be healed. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And most people would stop right there and they'd say, well, yeah, that was Jesus. Jesus came to the earth and he came to do healing works and miracles and so forth. So sure, anybody that would hear of Jesus would get results. Just like this woman did. We know that her faith uh, or that we know her healing was accomplished by touching Jesus' garment. But notice when she touches Jesus, power goes out of him and into her. And Jesus knows that that power left him, that power or that anointing. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's that anointing. That's that healing power. Jesus felt that healing power go out of him and turn him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now notice the disciples answer. The disciples answered and said, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? In other words, that's King James English for saying everybody's touching you. Everybody that can reach you is touching you. Everybody is reaching out to touch you. Now can I ask you a question? Why is the whole crowd trying to touch Jesus? Why would the crowd be trying to touch Jesus if they have not heard about his healing touch? People being healed through contact. But I want you to notice that of all the multitude, however big a crowd this is, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me. The disciples call it a multitude. Again, I don't know how many people it is, but it sounds like a bunch. They're indicating that as many people as can get close enough to Jesus to touch him are doing just that. Notice it's not the touch, it's not the physical touch that did the job. Now, folks, please understand this. This is such a basic and uh, foundational principle about the healing power of God and also about Jesus' ministry. Most church people think that Jesus healed because he was the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he had the power of God, the healing power, miracle-working power at his disposal to do what he wanted to whenever he wanted to. Why, then, is Jesus asking who touched him? If Jesus did not specifically intend or determine for this woman with the issue of blood to be healed, if he didn't know about it ahead of time, why is he asking the question, who touched me? It indicates he didn't know. He looked round about to see her that had done this thing, the Bible says. Well, if he already knew, what's he looking around for? Notice also that she heard something similar to what the rest of the crowd heard. Because they're both taking the same action. And again, most of the church world thinks that because Jesus had healing, healing power and miracle working power while he was here on the earth, that all we'd have to do, if we could just get to where Jesus was, then all we'd have to do is reach out and touch him and we'd be healed. Well, these people weren't. If we can just find somebody with enough anointing, if we can just find somebody with enough power, man, that'll do it. Well, who are you going to find that had more power than Jesus? Who had a greater anointing than Jesus? Yet you got a whole multitude of people touching Jesus, or at least as many of them as can get close enough to touch him, reaching out to touch him and getting nothing. 
Not one thing. It's not the physical touch of Jesus that does it. It's not Jesus' physical presence that does the job. Yet that's what most everybody wants. Oh, Jesus, if you had just come back to the earth and heal me. Well, if Jesus could come back to the earth, what's to guarantee you'd get any better results than the multitude did? This multitude, the strong and getting nothing. Now, out of this whole multitude, one person got something out of the whole bunch, however many people it is. Only one person got anything. And Jesus tells us why. Jesus looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Where did I leave off? Verse 33. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Jesus said unto her. Now, if anybody's going to know anything about the healing power of God, it ought to be Jesus. Now, a lot of the things Jesus says and tells us and reveals about the healing power of God and the miracle working power of God does not fit with what the church says about it. And it's an amazing thing to me how the church will ignore the words of Jesus and stick to their own ideas. Because who's going to know better than Jesus? Jesus said unto her, Daughter, your faith made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She takes the same action that the multitude takes, reaching out to touch him. They hear the same thing about Jesus, which causes them to take the action of reaching out to touch him. But she touches him with a condition that's different than anybody else in the multitude, and Jesus calls that faith. Now, why didn't Jesus say, daughter, my power has made you whole? Because if it was just simply power that's activated by the physical touch, then everybody in the crowd would have gotten it. Everybody in the crowd would have been healed. Yet she's the only one that gets anything. Why? Because of what she heard about Jesus. Can you see how these scriptures fit together? The multitudes came to hear and to be healed. Came to hear and to be healed of him. Came to hear and be healed of them. Of him. Of their infirmities. You got a whole multitude here in Mark chapter 5 that heard. But the hearing didn't cause them to believe anything. So they didn't get anything. It's not just so hearing cannot be just the physical act of listening. It must mean hearing and receiving. The listening of the word listening to the word of God affects you from within to create this thing called faith. Now look with me over to Luke chapter four. Turn with me to Luke chapter four and Mark chapter six. Turn to both of those openings and let's compare what the Bible says here. Let me show you another example of somebody that heard or listened to what Jesus had to say, but it didn't do him any good. We'll start in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Well, no, we don't want to start in verse 1. Um, first part of the chapter tells us about how Jesus was tempted of the devil. Let's pick up in verse 14. And Jesus, after the temptation was ended, the devil left him. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame through, of him throughout all the region round about. Now, what does the power of the Spirit refer to? It refers to the healing power, the healing anointing of, that's upon him. Folks, the primary way that Jesus ministered healing while he was here on the earth in his earthly ministry was according to the healing anointing. That's not the only way, but it was the primary way. There were other times, other occasions where the Holy Ghost would manifest himself in and through Jesus to affect the healing. 
good example of that is John chapter 5 where the man at the pool of Bethesda is healed and nobody else in the group is. Jesus searches for faith. He asks the man, wilt thou be made whole? And he said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water when the angel comes down and stirs the water in. Uh, first guy in gets healed. Jesus speaks to him and says, rise, take you up your bed and walk. And he does. What is that? That's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus do? Jesus conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. In other words, Jesus left the, the middle of the crowd. Why didn't Jesus start preaching? Why didn't Jesus start healing the rest of the crowd? Because he didn't heal in that instance in John chapter 5. He didn't heal based on the healing anointing that he had. That healing anointing that he was given was not there in, in operation or available for anybody else in the group. In other words, Jesus couldn't have done any more in that group than you and I could without God sending us and giving us a specific assignment. Now, that's hard for a lot of people to accept. But Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, he is. But notice what the Son of God did in this case. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. That implies to me that he's doing healing works. Works that aren't identified, but he refers to them later on. He returned in the power of the Spirit of Galilee into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all, all the region round about. If he's not doing healings and miracles, what's there a fame for? What would he be famous for? And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. That's interesting. Here Jesus is famous for healing works and miracles, signs and wonders and miracles, and Jesus teaches. It doesn't say so Jesus increased his miracles. It says he taught in their synagogue. Why does he teach? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Jesus didn't rely on the miracles or even the miracle working power that was upon him. He taught to instill faith in the people. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And when he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Means as a little boy. And as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. I love this scripture because it tells us that Jesus' synagogue. Or Jesus' custom was to go to the synagogue. Jesus was in the habit of going to church. That would be great for a lot of Christians to get a hold of. But nowadays you got people saying, oh, I don't need to, any organized religion. Well, what did Jesus need it for? His custom was to go to church. So as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. And this is Isaiah 61.1 in our modern day Bible. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. All these scriptures go together. The Holy Ghost is putting these things together and skipping over certain things so that we attach these things in the way that he wants us to see it. He doesn't tell us. If Jesus is going to speak and refer to miracles that were already done uh, between, chapter, between verse 14 when he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and verse uh, 18 where he begins to teach in the synagogue in Nazareth. He's going to refer to the miracles and the works in Capernaum. Well, why didn't the Holy Ghost tell us what those works were? Because it's important for you to see the connection between these two events. He returned in the power of the Spirit. 
And he gets to Nazareth. First time he's been back to Nazareth since he's been anointed by the Holy Ghost. And what does he do? He teaches about the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost upon him. He teaches. Why is he trying to teach that he's anointed? Because he's trying to get people to believe it. And they don't. He preaches from Isaiah. Verses that were referring to the Messiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. What's he anointed to do? To preach the gospel to the poor? To heal the brokenhearted? To cause the blind to be able to see? To deliver the captives? To set at liberty anybody that's been bound or bruised by the work of the devil? To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To say this is the time for all things to be restored. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them. And this is the key to the whole thing. He said this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words he's saying what Isaiah prophesied. He's talking about me. Jesus has just identified himself as the Messiah. Now that should bring joy to the hearers. It doesn't. And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? In other words, they know exactly what he's just claimed. They know that he's claimed to have healing power. He's claimed to be sent by the Holy Ghost to restore all things. He's claimed to be the Messiah. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost is upon him to prove it. They know exactly what he's saying because then they start questioning his his heritage. Well, wait a minute. We knew your daddy. They're talking about Joseph, the the father, uh, Joseph, the mother. What was Joseph? Joseph was a husband. Joseph, the husband of Mary. They're saying, we saw you grow up here. We know your dad. We know that the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin. He doesn't have a dad, but we know yours. So you can't be who you say you are. In other words, they wouldn't hear what he had to say. They wouldn't receive it. They wouldn't accept it. And Jesus said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, position, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard, heard, heard. Everybody say heard. They've heard. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. So what, what power of the Spirit or what did the power of the Spirit in verse 14 cause and what brought about the fame of him that spread throughout the region? We, well, at least we know that it includes miracles and healings in Capernaum. So Jesus says, I know what you've heard about me. I know that you've heard I've done healings and miracles in Capernaum. And you want me to do the same thing. Now, folks, please get the attitude of the people. In Luke chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6, we see the people that were willing to hear and be healed. Here, in this case, in this specific situation that the Bible gives us record of, they refuse to hear, but they still want to see the miracles. And unfortunately, so much of the body of Christ falls into that category. They won't hear. They won't accept the word. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, that he sent his word and healed us. And delivered us from our destructions. But that's not the way most Christians want it. They won't have it that way. No, no, no. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what the word has to say. I don't want any responsibility on my own. I just want God to do a miracle. That's exactly what these people are saying. And Jesus knows it. So what does Jesus do? Well, of course he does a miracle. Not. 
And so many people are fooled, they're deceived into thinking, well, if I just want it bad enough and if God really loves me, then he'll do it. Well, Jesus came to the earth to show and reveal the love of the Father to all of mankind, and he doesn't do it. It's amazing to me how many Christians want God to violate his word so that they'll be satisfied. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, I don't want it that way. I want God to do a miracle just for me. I want God to violate his word and heal me some other way than the way that he said that he brought healing. There's nothing new in our day. Same thing happened in Jesus' day. Then Jesus says in verse 24, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Well, this is his own country. This is where he grew up. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Now, Jesus has just hit them a low blow, and they know it. What Jesus has said is very simply this. It doesn't work the way you want it to work. God doesn't work on your schedule. Elijah was sent to one woman, and she wasn't even in Israel, to deliver her. Elisha was sent to one person, or sent with healing power for one man, Naaman the Syrian. Wasn't even an Israelite. Why? Because that's the way God set it up. In other words... It's not habit your way. And they didn't like it. Why? Because they want to see a miracle. They've heard about this guy. Do what you've done in Capernaum. Now turn back with me to Mark chapter 6. Let's see what Mark has to say about this same instance. Mark chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Well, we know from Luke chapter 4 what he taught. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now they're the ones that are saying, how is it that we've heard him do these things, do these great miracles and healings and stuff like that in Capernaum? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. In other words, they wouldn't hear what he had to say. But Jesus answered unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. So you can see it's the same, it's the same story. He's saying here in my own hometown, the place that I grew up, is the only place that I don't receive honor. And that's the way it works. Now notice what happened, what was the result in, as identified in verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work. A mighty work refers to a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. It refers to a healing miracle. Jesus had no miracles in, in uh, Nazareth. He didn't do any great work of healing. Now why wouldn't he? Was God just mad because they rejected Jesus? Please notice what the scripture says. And he could there do no mighty work. It does not say that he wouldn't. In other words, it refers, it makes no reference whatsoever to the will of God. In fact, the, the very uh, sense we know that Jesus taught 
from Isaiah 61 saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me we know that it's the will of God for him to have healing miracles in that place he wouldn't claim to have an anointing upon him if God didn't want him to use it for the benefit of the people why could he there do no mighty work doesn't say that he wouldn't again it says that he couldn't he was unable Jesus the son of God who had the spirit of God without measure who was anointed of the Holy Ghost to heal and to do miracles Jesus could not in in Nazareth his own hometown of Nazareth do any miracles he couldn't why not and he could there do no mighty work save or accept that he laid his hands upon a few sickly folks uh, sick folks this word in the in uh, Vine's New Testament dictionary of New Testament expository dictionary says that this word sick means sickly, people with minor ailments. Jesus could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. In other words, folks that didn't have too much wrong with them. He got a few results, but not much. And he marveled, verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. What does that mean? That means they wouldn't hear. They wanted to be healed, but they wouldn't hear. What was it that they were supposed to hear? That Jesus was anointed. That Jesus had healing power. That's all they had to believe. But they wouldn't. And why wouldn't they? Because of what they thought they knew about his family. What they thought they knew about his family was enough to disqualify Jesus in their thinking, in their minds, to disqualify the healing anointing that God sent him to town to effect a healing and a cure for everybody that was sick. And he could there do no mighty work except he laid his hands upon a few sick folks, a few folks with minor ailments and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching. Why? Because he's trying to counteract their unbelief with the truth of the word. He's trying to counteract their unbelief with the truth of the word. So you got one example in Mark chapter 5 that we looked at where a woman heard of Jesus and she came to be healed and she got it. We've got two examples Both the crowd in Mark chapter 5 that touched Jesus took the physical action of touching Jesus but didn't get anything because they didn't hear. They wouldn't believe that Jesus was anointed. So they they went through the physical steps. They did all the right things, but they got no results. Second example we've got is in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. They refused to hear that Jesus was anointed of the Holy Ghost to heal. And so Jesus couldn't do anything. Well, what do you think happens today if people refuse to accept that Jesus is still the anointed one? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still has healing power, and you access that same healing power as in Jesus' day by the same action of faith that people did while he was here on the earth. What do you think happens then? Has God changed? Does God just overlook that and say, well, bless your heart. I know you need healing, so I'll give it to you anyway, even though you don't believe. Well, God can't change. Faith is the, sense, the system whereby he is set up to receive anything and everything from him. So Jesus is in the same boat today as he was when he was in Nazareth where he's limited to what he's able to do by the faith of the individual. Well, what are we supposed to believe today? Same thing that they had to believe, that Jesus is the anointed one. Yeah, but we don't see him physically like they did. 
seeing physically had seeing him physically had nothing to do with the results that they got. The crowd in Mark chapter five that pressed upon Jesus and touched him and reached out and grabbed hold of him. Anybody and everybody that could reach him did. They didn't get a thing. So it's not Jesus in physical form that does the job. It's not touching Jesus physically that makes the difference. What is it? It's reaching out in faith. Jesus doesn't have to be here for that. He doesn't have to be here in physical form. He's here in spirit, certainly. But he doesn't have to be here in physical form for that. What are we to believe? That Jesus is the same today as he was when he was here on the earth. And that anybody that reaches out in faith can take hold of the healing power of God that they need. And affect a healing in their body and a miracle in their body if that's what they have need of. And another thing that that we're supposed to believe is over in James chapter 5. Let me remind you of this scripture. James chapter 5 verse 14. It says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith... And the special anointing on the minister. No. And somebody that's got some kind of special healing power. No. And the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, in other words, if his healing or if his sickness, his condition is caused by his own wrongdoing. It's not always the case, but it can be. That's why the Bible says if. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. In other words, you don't have to worry about if you brought this on yourself through your wrongdoing or wrong living or something like that. That doesn't disqualify you from receiving from God. The prayer of faith will still save or heal the sick. And it will also forgive the sins that you've committed. And the Lord shall raise him up. And the Lord shall raise him up. We could just get people to believe that. We'd get a lot better results. But you have to talk people into it. You have to talk people into it. I I heard Brother Hagin talk about uh, a trip that he took to to, uh, South Africa back in um, the late 70s, 78, 79, somewhere around there. Brother Hagin didn't go overseas much. He did some some overseas work when he was younger, but uh, as he got older, he didn't want to go. He just wanted to let the young people do all that, but... Uh, there was a, a great work that was being done. Raymond, South Africa really took off in the late 70s and early 80s. So Brother Hagen went over to South Africa. And, uh, and it was amazing. The healing results he got in South Africa were just astonishing. Uh, Brother Hagen said it almost turned him into a missionary. He hadn't known God had something else for him to do. It almost turned him into a missionary. He said, I went over there with the same anointing I have here. And he said, I got 10 or 20 times the results there that I got here. Well, he loved it there. But man, he was disappointed when he got back here. Same anointing. He was conscious of the same anointing, same level, same measure of anointing that was on him here as was on him over there. But over here, people have already got their minds made up. Over there, it was still a new thing. And so people just readily received. They just accepted. Nowadays, you have to wade through so much of what people already think they know. Nowadays, it's like ministering in Nazareth full time. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's not the way God intends. But God gets the blame for it. God and ministers, people that still preach in healing, they get the blame for it. Well, if they really had an anointing, they'd get something done. If healing still worked the same way it did in Jesus' day, then they'd heal the sick just like Jesus did. Well, folks, we do heal the sick just like Jesus did. Unbelief stops us just like unbelief stopped him. 
works exactly the same way. So what are we to believe? We're still to believe that Jesus is the healing, the, the anointed one. He still has healing, anointing, healing power for anybody and everybody that will accept it. And the Bible tells us how to receive it. It says, call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over them, anointing with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. Now, who prays the prayer of faith? Well, the person laying hands on them, the elders of the church are the ones praying the prayer. For praying the prayer of faith over somebody that doesn't believe won't do any good. Any more than reaching out and touching Jesus physically won't do any good if you don't do it in faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. That means there's got to be faith on the person praying on his part and also the person being prayed for. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Being saved from sickness is being healed. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't say special healing power will sa- won't save the sick. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that it takes special power. It doesn't say it takes a special anointing. It doesn't say it takes a special atmosphere of the Holy Ghost or a move of God. It says the prayer of faith shall, pray, shall save or heal the sick. Folks, anybody can pray the prayer of faith under any circumstances, no matter how they feel, no matter what's going on. It's the prayer of faith that saves or heals the sick. Why? Because we're praying to the anointed one. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's just lift our hands and worship God for a few moments. We're going to lay hands on the sick if there's anybody that wants to be ministered to. Let's just worship the Lord for a few moments. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege to believe. Thank you for making it so easy for us, Lord. It's the easiest thing in the world to accept your word to be true. To just set aside our thinking. To set aside any doubts or objections we might have. And accept that even though we don't know everything, even though we don't understand anything, everything, your word is true. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That Jesus is still anointed, just like when he was here on the earth. He's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed to heal the sick. He's anointed to to deliver the captives. He's anointed to bring sight to the blind. He's anointed to set at liberty those that are bound by the enemy in any and every way. He's He's anointed to destroy the works of the evil one. Thank you, Father. Thank you that it's so simple. Forgive us for having made it complicated because it's so simple just to accept that you are who the Bible says you are. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we declare that we believe. We believe in you, Lord Jesus. We believe you're the anointed one. We believe you're the Messiah. Risen from the dead with the keys of hell and death. You have power over sickness. The name of Jesus has all power over every work of the enemy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've already paid the price. So we come to you now in faith, just like the woman with the issue of blood did. She heard of you, and so she took action. We hear from the word of God who you are, Jesus, and what you've done. So we choose to take action too. Not just physical action, but motivated by faith. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. 